0: What beautiful pieces of furniture that we have here tonight. We're going to turn our focus on those here in just a little while. Altars. We have called them altars. But perhaps, rather tonight, I want to maybe not look to them actually as altars. I I see them more as miniature pieces of furniture, mementos, keepsakes. An incredible project for our children and parents to be able to do together. So many wonderful benefits to this project and we thank everybody that has been involved. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit tonight and we're going to refer to these and The conclusion of this message tonight, we're going to have a point in the altar call that we're going to anoint these, each of them. And I'm going to speak some things into your hearing tonight. But our altar has got to be much more than a piece of furniture. It's got to be much more than a family heirloom. Our altar has got to be a place of connection and communication with God. Matthew chapter 26, if you have your Bibles and would like to turn with me, Matthew 26, I'm going to read verses 37. Let's read verses 36. 26 and 36. And I'll read down through verse 39 of Matthew chapter 26, amen. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. And he said unto the disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face, and he prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as Thou wilt. He came to a place called Gethsemane. I want to preach for a little bit tonight by the help of the Lord. Everyone needs a sacred place. Everyone needs a sacred place. Lord, we need you tonight. As I speak what you have placed in my spirit for this moment, in this hour, for this incredible congregation that is gathered here on this chilly Sunday evening, I'm praying, Lord, that all the things that I fail to speak with my words tonight and my lack of vocabulary, that the spirit of the Lord will come through and speak into every heart. That every life and every mind may be touched tonight by the Holy Ghost. And that you would accomplish the purpose for which you are sending your word tonight. And I have confidence in that in Jesus' name. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Let's thank him tonight. Come on, lift up your voice with that hand clap tonight. Let's magnify him. Lord, you're worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be praised. God bless you. You can be seated. Everyone needs a sacred place. I'd like to have your attention for a little bit tonight. If we could possibly minimize distractions that are in the room. If we could take our attention and focus for just a little while tonight on what the Lord wants to speak to this congregation. If we could somehow push out the fact that the restaurants are waiting for our arrival They're preparing tables tonight, but for a few minutes, could I have your attention? And could I talk to you for a few minutes tonight? And I want to begin by creating tension right off the start by asking you a very important question. Do you have a sacred place? Do you have a sacred place? Someone asked me, Pastor, when you call prayer, Why do you ask people to come together? What's the importance of coming together? Shouldn't we pray in secret or in our closet? I'm going to answer you. And I heard Brother Terry Schock make a statement something like this, and I'm going to just kind of borrow from his idea. He said something along these lines. He said, when you ask people to pray, are they praying? Often they will answer you yes. But when you ask people where are you praying, it creates a little tension because it's really hard to lie about where you're praying if you're not praying. Everyone needs a sacred place. In our text tonight, Jesus, when Jesus prayed, he went to a specific spot on the Mount of Olives, and that place is called the Garden of Gethsemane. He went to a sacred place place. I'm guessing this wasn't the first time that Jesus had gone there to pray. For I find recorded all through the scriptures times in which Jesus went about that location and he went there often to pray. There is about as much history and prophecy located around the Mount of Olives as there is any place on earth. It was the place where David fled when he When his son Absalom undermined his authority and had taken over the palace and overthrown his kingdom, the scripture said that David was weeping and he covers his head and he takes off his sandals and he flees from the city and he flees from the Mount of Olives. It was at the Mount of Olives where Ezekiel received an amazing vision and changed his life forever. It was up and down the roads around the Mount of Olives where our Lord traveled every day. If Jesus ever had a favorite place, the Mount of Olives would certainly have to be listed among them because he spent a lot of time there. Jesus went regularly to the Mount of Olives. There's no doubt that Jesus had a sacred place there because he went there to pray. He traveled by it. He spent a lot of time near it. And when he visited Jerusalem, he was always around about the Mount of Olives. He was there and often there with three very recognizable New Testament figures by the name of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. It was to that sacred place where the Lord went after the Last Supper. It was at that sacred place where Jesus spent many of his nights. As a matter of fact, the last verse of John chapter 7 explains it all. In John chapter 7, verse 53, it said, And every man went into his own house. But chapter 8, verse 1 says, And Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. As you know, in the original text, there was no chapter in verse. So the first chapter, the end of that chapter, and the beginning of the next chapter, would have actually been written together, and it would have sounded more like this. And every man went into his own house, but Jesus went into the Mount of Olives. When everyone else went home, Jesus went to that sacred place. That is what separated him from the rest of the crowd. Everyone else went there to their own house, but Jesus went to his sacred place to pray. I was thinking this week and felt the Lord speak to me. And Gentry, I want to speak to you specifically for just a moment tonight because I want to tell you that I have been—I've talked to others and I've talked behind your back about a powerful and great anointing that God has upon your life. And I've often said to people, "I don't understand it. I don't know. I I just can't explain it." But there's such a powerful anointing upon the young man's ministry, certainly. has some, some incredible things that have transpired and wonderful things that have happened. And I've been watching, and the Lord spoke to me in my study this past week as I spent a day in studying and prayer. And while I was studying and praying, I spoke to my wife afterwards, and I, st- I told her what the Lord had shown me that day. And I'm going to tell you that what is setting your ministry apart from those around you is that when everybody else goes home, I've noticed and I've been watching that you've been going to your sacred place. And you've been finding some time in prayer alone with God. The reason over a hundred people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Africa is not because we were praying here at home, and we were. But I'm going to tell you that it's because you found a sacred place with the Lord. And the reason that the outpouring of God is going to happen in the Philippines Later on this year is going to be because you have been visiting a sacred place. It was from that sacred place when Jesus cried, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killeth the prophets, how oft would I have gathered thee together as a hen gathers her brood, but thou wouldest not. Jesus wept over that city from his sacred place. It was in that setting where we find the the garden of Gethsemane. He prayed with his disciples there on that fateful night when he cried, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. It was there where we see the flashing lanterns and the Roman soldiers coming for him after that he had been betrayed. And when they found him, they found him there praying in his sacred place. Place And it will be in that sacred place that Jesus will return to call his church home. I come tonight to tell you that if you're ever going to make heaven, you must have a sacred place. In our text tonight as we read about Jesus going to a sacred place, can I speak to you and can I remind you that that was not the first time that Jesus had gone there. But when his life was very, his very own life was dependent on it, he didn't go to some random location. He didn't happen to just show up to a spot and say, I think this looks good. But if I study the scripture and see it over and over again, as I've reminded you tonight, that Jesus had already established that place as a sacred place. And it was at that moment when all of the world came crashing down upon him, he knew where he had to go to. He went to his sacred place, and he asked three to go along with him to his sacred place. There is no place so beautiful, so hallowed, and so, so heart-searching as that sacred place. For Jesus, it was the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. You can go there today. And there on that hill still stands the same trees that stood there 2,000 years ago the same garden, the same olive trees where the Lord knelt and prayed. One of the most moving places that I've ever prayed was when I visited there in 1995. I walked through that city and onto the Mount of Olives. I can't even begin to tell you what I felt. As I knelt on that same hill under some of those same olive trees that Jesus perhaps had walked under. Walked into that same garden area where it was very close perhaps to where that our Lord had prayed. And I bowed my knees there and offered up a prayer unto the Lord. I went there and I visited it and it was there that I realized that If I was ever going to have a ministry and if I was ever going to do anything in ministry and ever do anything in life, and it was there that I prayed the kind of prayer and I said, God, I want to have the kind of ministry that you want me to have. And God, I want to be the kind of husband that you want me to be. And God, I want to be the kind of father that you want me to be. And it was there that I felt the Lord speak to me and said, then you better find yourself a sacred place. And you better visit it on a regular occasion. And you better call on my name on a regular occasion in that sacred place. Because there is nothing in your life that will ever replace a sacred place. It was so precious and it was so dear to know that I was in the place where the Lord prayed. I was there where He wept tears of agony. I was there where He prayed the night through. I was there where the flesh had battled with the will of the Father. And I came tonight to tell you that everybody needs their own sacred place. On this platform with me tonight are 22 altars. Beautiful labor and work. My heart was stirred as I watched some work, as I watched single mo- moms with small children, as they would stand there and work hard and diligently. As they worked, I wanted to step in and help them, but I didn't, and I didn't for a reason. I didn't for a purpose because I knew that it was a moment between them in God. It was a moment of learning for that child. It was a moment of watching and I pray that somehow God etches it in the memory bank of those children. That God somehow etches it in the memory bank of every young person that was there as you worked with your parent and as you decorated with your mom or with your dad and as you built with your mom or dad. I pray that somehow God etches it into your memory bank and somehow that you never forget what this really represents. It's much more than than a keepsake. It's much more than a piece of furniture. It's much more than a place for you to go and kneel over. But it is a reminder every time you see it. I need a sacred place in my life. And there's nothing that's going to replace a sacred place in my life. It's got to become more than a piece of furniture. It's got to become more than just another place. It's got to become a sacred place. Everybody needs a sacred place. Ladies and gentlemen, I come tonight in all humility and sincerity. And I want to speak very boldly to you tonight and very strong to you tonight because I feel God calling the church to a place we have not been in prayer. And until we find ourselves a sacred place where we can commune with God, until we find ourselves a sacred place where we can defeat the will of the flesh, until we find ourselves a sacred place and stay there until His will becomes more important than our will, we will not see too much accomplished. It's the sacred place where we will overcome our flesh. There is so much stinking flesh in the world and in the church and in our lives today that some of us wouldn't even know God if he slapped us in the face because we're so caught up in the things of this world. God, give us a revival of sacred places. Call us back to a sacred place. We have moved so far away from sweet hour of prayer and we become a dancing generation because it feels so I came to remind us that we need to go back to our sacred place. We all need a sacred place. Jesus prayed and his prayer was something like this. If there's any other way, let me avoid this. Let me avoid dealing with their sin." If there's any other way, let, let just remove the bitter cup and let me avoid it. If there's any other way, let it pass from me. But I came to remind you tonight that there is no other way. And you and I cannot avoid it. We must have a sacred place. A sacred place will cause us to deal with ourselves. We will deal with some other things. That we would rather avoid. But there is no other way. Everybody needs a sacred place. We live in a day where everybody wants to do whatever they want to do. But nobody wants to do what God is calling them to do. God is calling this congregation to prayer. God is calling this, this congregation to consecration. God is calling us to a sacred place. God wants this congregation to deal with some issues that can only be dealt with in prayer. Not my will, but thy will be done. Not what I want, Lord, but whatever you want. Not what I say, but whatever you say, Lord. Because everybody needs a sacred place. Because in that sacred place is where we commune with the Spirit. In that sacred place is where God speaks to our heart. In that sacred place, that precious place, that place where nothing else really matters, that sacred place is more important than anything in the world. And when we get there, life will change. But we all want the anointing. We all want the authority. We all want the power. We all want the show. We all want the upfront position. We all want control. And therein lies the majority of our issues and our problems. We all want the show, but nobody wants to go behind the scenes in prayer. Everybody needs a sacred place. I can still remember just like it was yesterday my childhood altars, where I communed with God. I go back there and visit once in a while. I've gone back and stood in that place where I first repented of my sins, where I committed my life and heart and future to God. I went back there some time ago. I went back to that same place. Where I knelt that night and said yes to the call of God. I've gone back there and I prayed over and over again. I've gone to some of those places and some of those areas. I've gone back to my home in certain places around my home that I went to as only a child, as I heard our elders did. And I would go there and I would make myself an altar and I would begin to pray in simple, childlike fashion, in young, youthful action. I would pray and I would. I would pray alone and I would pray. And today I look back and those were sacred places. Without those places, I wouldn't be where I am today. Without those places, no telling where I would have ended up. But I found myself a sacred place. Every time that I drive by that little church where I was baptized In southeast Texas, I slow down, and I point it out, and I tell my boys, and I've done it so many times that when we start driving down the road and we start getting close to it, my boys start saying, Dad, up the road is that little church where you was baptized, wasn't it? Dad, isn't that where you were baptized? Well, I took them by this summer. We stopped by the place where I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They were doing some work around there. We walked in. I walked into that little building that's now their fellowship hall. We walked into that little building and I walked down to the front, right in front of about where their kitchen was. And I looked at them and I said, boys, right here. Right here's where God filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's a sacred place to me. It's a place I'll never forget. I'll never forget those moments. I'll never forget the place I was when my sins were rolled away. How many of you remember that day? How many of you remember when he took your sins away? How many of you remember where you were when you were baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus? How many of you remember where you were when the burdens of your heart were rolled away? I still remember where I was I remember who some of the people that were praying around me I still remember who was preaching that night it's very sacred to me it's a sacred place I want this congregation to go with me tonight and take a little journey I want you to take a journey with me tonight I want you to go back to that sacred place where God saved you where God found you where God brought you out remember with me tonight remember how lost you were remember how desperate you were. Remember how lonely you were. Remember what a mess your life was. Remember how mercy and grace came and found you. Remember how everything was wrong and nothing was right, but Jesus came along and Jesus stepped on the scene and Jesus turned everything around. Oh, we used to sing, oh, happy day. When Jesus washed my sins away, I want you to know something tonight. That this altar is a sacred place to me. I've got a place in my home. I was reminded. I was reminded this week in my preparation for this message tonight. I was reminded where I was when I heard the Lord speak. And when I heard the Lord tell me, you go start raising funds, I'm going to provide the land, and I'm going to build my church. And I'm going to grow the church. You do your part, and I'll do mine. I had to go back there this week. I had to be reminded again this week, because there's times in our life that when we start questioning and we start wondering, we start asking, God, are you in it? God, is this what you have for us? God, is this the direction you're really wanting us to go? We've got to go back because if the answer came in a sacred, sacred place, you won't ever forget it. And you're going to stand firm without a shadow of a doubt. I remember where I was when God spoke that to me. I remember where I was. That wasn't a moment of fluff. That wasn't a moment when people were around. The music wasn't playing and the tambourines being beat and the sound system roaring. But it was a moment when it was just me and the Lord. When I was alone with Him in a secret place and He spoke to me. I went back to that sacred place this week and I called on the name of the Lord. And when I called on the name of the Lord, that place became just as real as it ever had been. Countless hours have been spent in sacred places by men and women that have gone before us. For some of you, it was your grandparents. For some of you, maybe great-grandparents. Your moms and your dads and family members. And maybe for some of you, you can go back and you remember where you made your first sacred place. That first place where you got along with the Lord. I want you to know that this altar is one of those sacred places. It's a place where people can meet Jesus. It's a place where your wrongs can be made right. I want you to hear me tonight, child of God, or guest alike. Let me speak to you. If you don't have a sacred place in your life, you need to establish one tonight. I wish... I wish that I was preaching tonight and everybody was on their feet and clapping and roaring and rejoicing. Some of you are looking at me tonight and like, my Lord, what in the world's pastor doing? It's Sunday night. Aren't we supposed to be having a rah-rah time? We will. But right now, we've got to establish some things. Because some of you can clap to the beat, but it's been so long since you've been alone with God in a secret place. It's been too long since you've got to the point where you've had a breakthrough in the Holy Ghost without somebody standing around you and speaking a prof- word over you. Can you get alone with God in a secret place? Can you hear His voice? From a sacred place. If you can't take me to the place where you met the Lord, if you can't establish that place tonight, you need to establish a sacred place. If you can't sing that song, I know I'm saved and I'm so glad about it then I wouldn't leave this place tonight until I knew that I had been born again of the water and of the Spirit. And my life had been changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. I can't get away from that night that I was filled with the Holy Ghost and I thank God for it. That's where I met Him. I can't get away from that place where my sins were washed away. It's a sacred place. That's how I know that I'm saved. I'll tell you how I know I'm saved because I still remember I was right about this location in a little church in Rosevine, Texas and I was standing on the altar after a sister by the name of Jean Holland had preached and my dad was standing in front of me and several old uh, saints of God were gathered around me and I stood there praying and when I realized what I was doing I heard myself speaking in a language that I did not know as God baptized me with the Holy Ghost and with fire. That's how I know I'm saved. I remember where I was, where I when I was buried in water baptism in the name of Jesus. I want to tell you tonight: don't leave here until you have re- until you have repented of your sins, been baptized in Jesus' name, and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Let me ask this congregation something that's very personal tonight: how long has it been since you've been back to that sacred place? That sacred place of relationship, that sacred place of a holy communion with God. Child of God, you can never get away from that sacred place. I've talked to those who spend their nights in a bar room, and I've had them say to me about church time every Sunday night, I remember what it felt like, and I'm reminded of what's going on down at the church. And I I remember what it was like to feel the presence and power of God. You know why? Because they can't get away from it. It's a place where God met with them. We all need a sacred place. Listen, your pastor is talking to you tonight. Your pastor's communicating with you. But if the only time that you communicate with God and God communicates with you is when your pastor is speaking, then there is something wrong with your relationship and you need to establish a sacred place with the Lord. You need some time alone with Him. You need some one-on-one time so that you can work on your relationship with Him. It's good that you're here tonight listening to me preach. I appreciate it. I appreciate the honor. I don't take it lightly. But you need to be at a sacred place once in a while where you are alone with Him and Him with you. And He's speaking to you and you're speaking to Him. And He's talking to you about some things in your life that you won't talk to nobody else about. And He's speaking some things into your life that you won't tell anybody else about. I come tonight to remind you that you need to talk to him for yourself. You don't need to go through your pastor because you have a tendency when I preach to ignore some of the things that I say. You eat the chicken and spit out the bones. You take what you like and you let the rest go. It's like anybody else that you listen to. My voice just begins to ring over and over and echo in your ears. But we need to get along with God in a secret place, in a sacred place. And we need some alone time with Him where we can say, I need your help. I need your guidance. I need your direction. How long has it been since we truly have been able to sing? Sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer. That calls me from. A world of care and bids me at my Father's throne make all thy needs and wishes known. In season of distress and grief, my soul has found sweet relief. And oft escaped the tempter's snare by thy return. Sweet hour of prayer. There was a time recorded in the Bible when God spoke to Moses. And he told Moses, Moses, I see your job. But Moses... I want to speak directly to my people. But you see, they had left their sacred place. Moses was a great leader. He was the leader of Israel. Israel was the nation of God's people. They were still one God people. They were still holy and separate people. And Moses was their pastor, so to speak. He was a good leader. He was a godly leader. He went up on the mountain every day and he talked to God on behalf of their of his people. But then... There was a time when God said, You do not well, Moses, because I want to speak directly to my people. I want them to climb up the mountain so that I can speak directly to them. So Moses came down and he said to the people, God wants you to climb up the mountain so he can talk directly to you. God's wanting to speak to somebody tonight. God's wanting somebody to climb up the mountain so he can speak directly to you tonight. I, I don't I, I thank you for listening to your pastor tonight, but there's a point that God God saying, why don't you why don't you get ready to climb up the mountain? But the people resisted what God had spoken through Moses, and they said, no, we don't want to climb up the mountain. We're not, we not. That's what we hired you for, Moses. That's what we've got you for, Moses. You go ahead. You climb up the mountain. We don't want to. We don't want God to speak to us. We want you to do it for us. Pastor, we want you to do the praying for us. Pastor, we want you and a few others to do the fasting for us. Pastor, we want you to get up and tell us what God says. I'm busy with life. Pastor, why don't you do it, and you come tell us but Moses said God is wanting to talk to you and God said I'm not going to send another word but Moses until you make up your mind that you're going to climb up the mountain for yourself. Could God be speaking to CLC tonight in some similar manner? If the only time you hear from God is when your pastor preaches then there's something wrong with your relationship. You need a sacred place in your life. You need a sacred place in your life. The cry went forth. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. The five wise had their lamps trimmed and burning. They were staying close to that sacred place. But the five foolish were described in Matthew chapter 25. Verse 8 says it like this, And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, because our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and for you. But rather, go ye to them that sell and buy for yourselves. Verse 10 said that while they were gone, while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went with him unto the marriage. And the door was shut. Afterward then came the other virgin saying, Lord, open to us. We now have our oil. But Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, I know you not. And then gives direction to how that little parable fits into the church but watch ye therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the son of man cometh i don't know how else to preach this tonight i've done it with the best of my ability i preached with everything i have within me tonight i preached with all the conviction that i can muster and pray that god has placed conviction beyond that but i just want to remind you tonight that everybody Needs a sacred place. These altars that are here on this platform tonight are so much more than just a piece of wood, just a piece of furniture. But these altars here tonight are to remind us every day when we go by where they are that when I get up in the morning, I need to spend some time in prayer. And when we walk by them at noontime, I need to get along with God. And when we come by in the evening, I don't need to lay my head on a pillow, but I need to spend some time in prayer. And when we walk through in troubled days, I'm reminded I've got a place of prayer. And when things are going good and I come by, I'm reminded I need to go to God in prayer. I need to be in a sacred place. My challenge and my charge to this congregation tonight for those 20-something families, 22 families, that will be taking these home. And for whomever may choose to purchase the one that is available in the foyer. There's really no power in these simple pieces. There's really nothing spectacular about any of them except their beauty, except their becoming family heirloom quality and style. They become a piece to pass on to children and grandchildren in the future, but in all reality, unless we fulfill the purpose for which we're sending these home tonight, they amount to nothing. It was David who was anointed to to be king, but he could not rule over the home. He could not rule over the family. He was only appointed by God, but there were other anointings that had to come. David later in life was anointed king over Israel. But then there was a point where he went into a certain village. And when he got into that village where he was, the scripture says that the elders of the city and the men of the the town came to where where David was. And the men of the city and the elders of the city took oil and they anointed David at that point with oil. And they anointed him as king over their homes. I want to remind every head of household something in this room tonight. I may pastor this church. Someone asked me last week, how many people do you pastor? I said, I have no idea. They said, what do you mean? You don't count at your church? I said, of course we do. Are you asking for membership or attendance? Or are you asking how many people that I pastor? Because it's different. They stepped back and looked at me and said, I've never thought of it that way. And I said, start thinking of it that way, sir. Because you too are a pastor. And I'm telling you, you don't pastor every person that sits in that pew. And he said, you're absolutely right. I said, I can only be pastor of those who have come and have said, Pastor, I'm anointing you over my home. You're the pastor over my home, over my family. I'm submitting to you, Pastor. You are my pastor. You have the right to speak over my life and speak into my life and speak into my spirit. I'm submitting myself to you. Oh, I know there's attenders here tonight that shut me out every time that I speak, but there's some here tonight that are saying, Pastor, I want you to speak into my family. I want my children saved. I've got to be saved. I want to make this city. This isn't a build up pastor moment, but this is what it is tonight. In a few moments, I'm going to pray a prayer of anointing over these altars that are here, but i am come tonight to remind you that unless you take these altars from this house, and unless the head of household lays hands on those altars, and say, God, I'm anointing this home. I've got to have a sacred place. I'm taking these altars home, and I'm putting them in a place where I can get alone with you, and it's going to serve as a reminder that my pastor's praying for me, and my church is praying for me, and my family's praying for me. God, this is a reminder it's all it is God it's a reminder but God I need a sacred place stand with me tonight the only way that I know to do this altar call tonight is to call the heads of household to come forward First of all, tonight, if you would, I'm just going to ask all of our heads of household to step from where you are. Come gather here around the front of the room. While you gather here around the front of the room, if you have an altar here on the front of my wife, would help me very quickly, please, if you would help me to hand these out. If you have some other help here, Annette, wherever you are, if, if there's some other help here, you could hand these altars into into the hands of the heads of household that are here. If you could do this very quickly tonight, here's what we're going to do. For those that have prepared an altar, we're going to hand these altars to you. I know not everybody participated, and that's fine. Some of you don't have children, and that's understandable. These are only tokens for those involved in children's ministry and with children in your home. But here's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to pray a special prayer blessing over your home and over your family. I want to personally come by, and I'm going to ask the ministers to come with me. Brother Danny, I know you've got an altar there. If you'll just sit it right there in front of you because I'm going to need your help here tonight. And we're going to come through, and we're going to lay hands on you and on this altar, heads of household. Here in a little bit, we're going to get together with families. But we're going to do something very, very different tonight. If I could get some help here with some music to give me some soft music in the background. It just makes me feel better. Here's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to come by and we're we're going to anoint these altars. And then after we pray over these altars, I'm going to ask you as the head of household. I'm going to ask you to go to where your family is, wherever that's at. I know the whole church cannot gather here in the front because we're far too crowded, far too packed in to be able to for everybody to get to the front. So you're going to have to go to where your family is or your family gather where you are. And I want you to get around your family and I want you to explain to them what this is. And we're going to make some commitments tonight that we're going to take prayer into our home. If you don't have prayer established in your home, I'm asking you tonight, would you just try something with me? Would you just try for the next 20 days? Would you just try with me during this season of prayer and fasting in the church? Would you just try with me? And would you take some time to establish prayer in your home with your family? This is a reminder. This is what it is. It's just a reminder. It's a reminder. That our house, in every home, there should be a sacred place. There should be a place where you go to. I haven't gone off the deep end. I'm not challenging you tonight. Yes, I watched War Room. But I'm not challenging you to go and throw all of your wife's clothes out. You may get in trouble over that. But what I'm challenging you to, to, to do is wherever your place is. I have a favorite chair to sit in, but I also have a favorite chair to pray in, and they're not one and the same. And sometimes in the wee hours of the morning, I'll just find my way downstairs, and I'll go to that chair, and I'll sit down in that chair. And it's just a favorite little spot that I like to go to, and I talk to God. You've got to establish a place where you can talk to God and establish a place where your family can gather together and where you can lead prayer in your family and in your home. So as I come by tonight and anoint you and anoint this altar that you have, I then want you to go tonight, and I want you to go to your family, and I want you to let them know we're establishing prayer in our home. Commit with me for the next 20 days. For the next 20 days is what I'm asking you for because I believe in the next three weeks we could we could establish some principles that change the dynamic of our home. How many of you believe this with me tonight? You could, it could change the dynamic of your home. It could change the dynamic of your home. Somebody took my oil. I don't know where the oil's at. Brother Danny, I want you to help me tonight. Dylan, there's some more oil in my... There's some more oil in my office if we need that tonight. Just right where you are right now, would you just just talk to the Lord? Just, Just you and Jesus. Just you and Jesus. Just you and the Lord. Lord, I'm praying that this moment that this moment becomes an important moment in some lives tonight. Lord, I'm praying that this moment becomes an important moment in these lives, in these homes, Lord. God, I pray. Lord, I, I pray for my brother tonight. I pray for brother newcomer tonight. I pray for this home, Lord. Lord, I anoint this altar, Lord. God, that prayer would become a higher priority than it's ever been.